Hey, what is up, recruiters, uh, search for owners, headhunters, and all you beautiful staffy professionals. Uh, this is Headhunters Live. Uh, you may know me as DSP. Everybody else calls me David Stefan Patterson. We have also uh, my good buddies over here. We have Neil Levitzen. And then we I also have. And we have Chris Wessel, the most beautiful man in the business. They call me the face right, of so, I think. I don't know. You are the I face of just... you, are, you are the face of a beautiful man. Now, and, I, and and I and I say that without uh, an ounce of shame. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not too proud to admit you are a good-looking man. But no one's ever accused you of about, any shame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't have any shame at all, or, or, or too uh, little of it either, right? Or too little. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we have we have an amazing show planned for you today. Uh, many of you may have heard about the Pinnacle Society, uh, and it is uh, I think eighty to ninety of some of the best recruiters in uh, in the world. Uh, you have to apply to join; it's very hard to get in. Um, and these we have a panel of three Pinnacle Society recruiters who are going to be talking to us all about recruitment today. So we're really really excited about that. But first, uh, before we dive into that, Neil. I have to ask, yes, sir. Uh, are you back in New York now or are you still in uh I am in Florida? In Cent- yeah, here we go. Upper East Side, Central Park. I am back in New York. I got back Monday night. So I'm here. So 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 for those folks who don't know, Neil is moving uh to Florida. And uh it's almost kind of like a Kurt Russell escape from New York situation, is it not? It is, and this is almost like uh, a, a, a transgender reveal because I haven't shared it with anyone publicly yet. So that's good news, David. Thank you for that. My employees. Well, you did there, share that with the website too. I have not shared oh, it yet, but I don't care. I'm not. I'm not. I was going to write it up when I had time, but those who are watching, the rumors were now spread. But uh, yeah, thank you oh, for, for adding me. I think it's a good <laughs> thing. It's not a bad thing. But no, oh, no one knows except good. my family and close friends. Yeah. But I don't care. It's nothing to be embarrassed well, uh, about. Hopefully, your family won't disown you for uh, <laughs> for disappointing them. But yeah, coming I'm out. moving to uh, uh, beautiful Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I had to get my dad to move down there. My mom passed, and uh, had to get her down to a uh, my dad down to uh, independent living, assisted living. And so I got. I'm going to move down, and I'm ready. So anyway, I'm excited. Well, Thank I think you, it's. That's awesome, too, because I feel like once you get down there and you're closer to South Beach, you go to Ocean Drive, and now you have more places you can take the faux Rari. <laughs> My faux Rari. No, that's hysterical. It's, Dude, I'm going to call it that. Rari. That's awesome. Did you make that up? Like just on the fly. That was my one funny thing for the day. I'm going to go now. So I have a Corvette. I have a Corvette. So everyone but thinks it looks, it looks a lot like like, yeah. It does. And so people think I'm driving this half million dollar car. There's not a lot. It's a faux Rari. I love that. Uh, But you know what the best part of it is? David and I are going to end up hanging once in a while regularly because we're going to be four four hours apart. We'll meet halfway for... (laughs) Anyway, thank you guys. I'm excited. David's excited about that. We're Florida ways. David, don't be hard on me. Uh, I, I will be. I'll be too hard on you. I know you like me. Be a little bit hard on you, but that David, said, I lobbed uh, that to you to see if you could resist. That was a lob. You couldn't even resist the lob. You paused. You can't resist. So insatiable. Anyway, back to you. Back to you. <laughs> well, let's let's bring in our Pinnacle Society members. I'm sure. I'm sure the fine people here don't want to listen to us matter too terribly long. And we are interesting, but not that interesting. 
So no, before no, we do I that, I got a message today about how fun we are and how uh, uh, she loves the show and cracks up every time. And I sent it to you guys because it made my day. So banter, we're about time to move on. So David, I'm going to shut up. Yeah, but yeah, the banter is important. That is important. Yeah. Well, now, now that said, um, I do want to say before we bring on our pan- our pinnacle members here. Um, if you guys are watching live, I want to make sure that you're watching. We want to make sure that you can hear us. Please comment live in the comments below. We are on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, uh, running on two different Facebook groups, uh, Neil's as well as mine. So please uh, comment live. And if you're watching the replay, comment replay. Also, please like the show. Love it. Share it with your friends. If, if everybody watching this shared the show, we'd be huge. So please share it if you like the show uh, or even share if you don't like the show share it anyway um also if you have any questions for our members put them in the comments we'll try to hit all the questions that we can as time allows okay with that said let's talk to our pinnacle society members so first up we have brody nowak uh nowak is that how you pronounce it nowak 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 okay brody brody nowak and we also it's, have over here it's we Bo- have it, uh, it's also yeah. Bodie. no no r no, okay. Oh, Bo, sorry, sorry. He's not That's a bro. bro. He's a bro. Bo. Bo. He's a bow. Okay. He's, my bro. Um, He's not my bro. We have Kathy Stewart here, and then we also have uh, who apparently has a history with Rich Rosen, and we have Michelle uh, <laughs> Lair. So before the show, so so just so you guys know, Rich Rosen, who is uh, a, a also a Pinnacle Society member, he's a, a million dollar biller, has been for years. Uh, we all know him. We all love him. Maybe some of us hate him, uh, but he's a, he's overall great guy. He actually brought this all together uh, with this panel. And on our pre-show, Michelle was telling us how her history with Rich Rosen. We should well, sell premium access to this green room. <laughs> well, all right, can, Michelle, do I have permission to tell the story or no? You want to move on? One hundred percent. All right, so this is going to be a Jesus. great. Yes. It is. Well, you t- oh, no. Well, I, how are we going to say it? I could I, like set it up. I don't know. Listen, right. So, so basically, right so, so we, we're asking everybody how they know how they know Rich Rosen. So, Michelle, how do you know Rich Rosen? At the age of fifty-two, I lost my virginity to Mr. Rosen. It was a night to remember. And that's and that, my friend, is how I got into Pinnacle. <laughs> uh, was it hard? <laughs> To get into Pinnacle? For, it, it was for about three minutes. <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be a bad show. All right, oh, David, a disclaimer for those under 13 to parental, there might be adult themes and to, you know, not appropriate for younger age, mature audience. And if you were wondering how to get into Pinnacle Society, you like, we got right to it in the first few minutes. So, <laughs> and Rich is very Cox, nice. Uh, the funny thing is, the, the same thing, actually. <laughs> but, um, well, Michael G. Cox, good friend of the show, just said, Rich offered me the same deal. See, there's a theme here. It's exposed. All right, so, so now I'm offended. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, well, let's 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 start here because I want if some of the folks who are watching the show may not know who you guys are. So let's just go around. If you can let us know who you are, what you do, your industry, kind of your history with with Pinnacle, and from there, you know, I want to leave this really open to the to the uh, viewers because I'm sure they'll have questions. I'm sure we'll talk about business development, talk about client relationships, um, you know, surviving during recessions, you know, going through hard times, etc. Keep your head up. But yeah, let's start off with uh, with Bodhi. So tell us a bit about uh, about you. What do you do? Who are you? Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, Bodie Nowak, uh, I'm out here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've, I've been recruiting since April 2008, and I joined Pinnacle in 2022. Um, I attended the spring meeting, and then uh, they voted me in after that. Um, they may have regretted that ever since, but nonetheless, I'm still here. So my practice is Blackwood Partners. We are a construction development recruiting practice. We work primarily with general contractors, developer builders, mainly major market Texas, but we've got clients throughout the Sun Belt. Um, I've got a business partner and we've got an admin. Um, started recruiting, you know, on a 360 desk in 2008 on a construction practice with three area codes out in Florida. Horrible timing, you know, I did well for about seven months. Then the uh, recession kicked my ass. Uh, in 2009, I built one placement and I made about $11,000. That, I don't even know why my company kept me then, to be honest with you, but they did. Uh, we shifted gears, and after that, I, I moved on and developed a dig in another industry. Uh, did well in that. Um, in 2016, we shelved that because it was dying and came back to construction. So, you know, I've kind of reinvented myself a few times over the over the course of the 15, 16 years I've been in business. Last year, we made the decision to purchase our our division from uh, our previous employer, and uh, we've uh, been doing business on our own since October 2nd of last year, and, and things are going well so far. So that's kind of a brief summary. Thank you, Bodie. That's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, the reinvention of yourself is is can be fun. It's stressful, but it, yeah. I think it's kind of necessary to to revitalize like your your motivation. Yeah, you right? certainly learn a lot. You know, um, the, the wins teach you something, but the yeah, losses yeah. teach you a whole lot more. You either win oh, or you 100%, learn. Oh, 100%. Uh, That's right. Well, but, well, yeah, how about you, Kathy? What's, uh, tell me a bit about uh, you. What do you do? Who are you? So I am I'm an executive recruiter with Jeff Harrison Associates. We're a recruiting firm that specializes in senior living. So, Neil, when your dad went to independent living and assisted living, those are the kind of organizations that I work with, primarily those higher-end communities that have that full continuum of care. So I can tell you who's good, who's not, and if your dad's not in a great place, then we can find a better place, and I'll help you out find a better place for him. The palace at, uh, at the West is beautiful. It's, I never knew they existed, that whole world. It's all new to me. Yeah. Yep, so gorgeous. I've been Nicest in senior living since 2008. I also started in wow. 2008. And I think what's really interesting, um, you know, senior living, healthcare, it's one of those industries that um, right now the baby boomers are all hitting that 80 year old, uh, 80 year mark, which is the average age of people going into these retirement communities. And um, and so uh, we've got a, this big 20 year push where we've got a ton of people coming into senior living and healthcare um, with baby boomers all retiring. And um, back in 2008, when when the shit at the fan, so to speak, um, every, you know, about probably two thirds of recruiting offices closed their doors in 2008, 2009. It was really bad. We stayed flat that year. We made a, a tack to move into um, a, a super little high-end niche of senior living called continuing care retirement communities. They're, um, anyway, we, uh, we stayed flat in 2009 and I, uh, became a 360 recruiter in 2009. So it's, I learned how to market in the worst of times. Um, and I feel like that's what kind of made me a really great recruiter long-term. Um, I, in 2014, started developing a team. I have uh, two recruiters and a researcher that work with me and, um, and we just rock it out. We do in senior living. Excellent. 
<laughs> Actually, well, Kathy, you know, I, I think I think you're right. I think uh, uh, when you go through a recession like that, it makes you better. I think, or when you go through hard times, like that's when you, that's when you know your true self. Uh, so I definitely want to want to touch back on that. But before I do that, though, what about you, Michelle? So let's talk about you. What do you do? And who are you? Um, I I was a um, um, head hunting major in college. I majored in head hunting. No. <laughs> What if, he's no looking at me like I actually did. No one does that. He no one does that. Uh, yeah. 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 You know what? Yeah. Yeah. What was your major? You could, you could, you Political you science. Major anything and, nowadays, and, I think. And um, that didn't do me any good. Mine was in so, music education, so that was even better. Look at Kathy cutting in on my time. Kathy, <laughs> we're best friends. We came into school at the same time. <laughs> um. So I fell into recruiting like everyone else, totally by accident. I had um, spent two years home with, I had babies back to back. And so I had a newborn and then I had a one-year-old and my ex-husband decided that it was a good idea to have sex with other women. And I was like, okay, <laughs> peace out. <laughs> let me, let me find a, a job. And my current boss 20 years ago called me and was like um hey i saw your resume posted on monster and i was like no i've been in outside sales my whole life i'm not going to be a headhunter and um i had been in outside sales in manhattan and philadelphia and so being a headhunter i i had worked with headhunters and wanted no part of it so i took the job out of desperation because i had an infant and a toddler and now um every year for the past 20 years i've said i'm going to quit <laughs> every year i'm like this is my last year i want no part of this chaos and bullshit. and here i am 20 years later so i work in the pharma biotech space um and it, it sounds fancy schmancy but um i still don't know the difference between chemistry and biology um, I just have been faking it for the past 20 years. And um, yeah, I, I run a team and um, we, we try and make it work. I feed them jobs. Sometimes I work a job. Sometimes I assign a job depending on the level of the job. And, and that's it. So here I am 20 years later. Well, that's that's uh, one of the great things about this business. And I, I call this, I, I, I say this all the time, this business like the land and misfit toys. Because we never belonged anywhere else. We felt we usually fall into this business ass backwards. And then 20 years later, right? You're still trying to get out of it and, and you're sucked in. You can't escape. And it's just, and we come from all these yeah. disparate worlds. I always like to think of it as, you know, if you're, maybe you're a failed accountant. So what you do, you go headhunt accountants now, right? right. And, make, and make three times the money. And so yeah. that's why I, was, I think, yeah, we're the land of misfit toys. One of the great things about this business. That's why I love this business so much. But if you look at what we just discussed and what we found out about ourselves is that we're morally loose when we're gluttons for punishment. So we can work in any industry we want. Any industry. Yeah. <laughs> there morally <is> loose. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And, but, and, you know, speaking and recruiters of, are like sailors. We're the dirtiest mouths to the dirtiest stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to, to, be able to, to be able to do it for more than a couple of years or even a couple of minutes. But like speaking of like different industries, though, one thing I, I noticed when I looked at all the folks that are listed on like Pinnacle website, and I think this is a good lesson for, for recruiters that are trying to strive for that level, is very specialized for the most part like senior living, construction, et cetera, right? So I don't know if the three of you could speak to that because I know that a lot of times, I I think 
I think that fundamentally a lot of people know that like if you specialize, you can charge more, you can be more efficient, et cetera. But a lot of times there's a fear to commit in a direction because you want to just go after whatever you could like, can maybe if some of you could speak to like what it was like to narrow that much and, and why it works so well for you. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, just tell you with senior living because none of you all probably like senior living what the heck is that like who knows what that is but um it is a teeny tiny niche of healthcare, and i think what it does is there's about 1700 of these super high-end retirement communities that have that full continuum of care so what that does is allows you to know everybody across that space really really well and allows you to kind of move in and out and and uh, specialize. I um, there are some people that will specialize in a specific area, a specific uh, title. Like some people will say, "Oh, I just do executive directors," or "I just do sales and marketing in this niche." Um, I I'll I'll do anything in senior living because I know the niche really well. So anything from operations, sales and marketing clinical because you know finance, the business you know anything the business. but it's just that but it's the niche of that business um yeah. that is really important so it's very different from any other healthcare piece and are you nationwide by the way like are, are you just sure. sub yeah okay. yeah i work nationally um and i will say though i really prefer to work kind of uh central time zone and east only because i'm one of those people that i'm horizontal after 8 30 i'm asleep it's just bad um, but I get up at the crack. So of is off. Michelle, but she's not sleeping. Oh, sorry, couldn't resist. <laughs> I love sixth grade humor. I know it. Uh, well, are, was, was it scary to like? I mean, at some point, you had to decide to get more narrow. Like I know, and obviously, you gravitate towards that segment because there there was opportunity and there was money there. But like, at some, you weren't always that specialized, or none of none of us ever. Yeah, really I was. Only, I mean, that's, my firm started in that, and that's where okay. I stayed. And we went from really from a kind of assisted living, memory care, into more of that high end. Only from a okay. uh, as a strategic move during that during the reset, the Great Recession. Uh, but we've stayed there, and that's been kind of our our main bread and butter is just those site level um, leadership roles. Gotcha. But I think to your point, Chris, you know, when you talk about being so niche about it, I mean, it, it can move, right? You know, like in construction, we're, we've been niched in certain aspects of construction by geography and by discipline and by company size. But, you know, that changed. Like in COVID, that changed. And I mean, we knew people were going to sustain by building multifamily apartments, by building senior living facilities and by building right. uh, warehouses. So what we did is we took our database and pumped it full of information that was targeted to those sectors of construction and we started communicating with those sectors and hence we built a bigger percentage of market share within that uh that construction realm and it helped us survive a, a pretty down year for construction but you know ultimately that was our niche at that time now we haven't completely gone away from that we've expanded a little bit and contracted a little bit in other areas but the niche is important because it allows you to be more nimble move faster uh create more value within client candidate networks and ultimately be more efficient you know, with your time and effort. Bodie, let me ask you a question. Let me ask all three of you because this is something that, yeah, it's because we, this is a conversation on the niche that we hear and have all the time. Now we have a group of the best of the best. What I always say is I don't know 
a million dollar biller that doesn't niche. Is that true? I mean, it's the only way to do it in my mind. I now have the people that could tell me whether what I've been professing as a trainer is true. Do you have to, to be at your level? Does anyone do it any other way? I'm curious about that. We, we I, kind I, of do it scientific search because I, I, I went to a Danny Cahill, um, Ricky retreat 20 years ago and I came back and I was like, Danny Cahill said, you have to be in a, in a narrow niche. We have to, we're doing it wrong because we're generalists within the pharma biotech space. So whether it's R and D like a scientist or whether it's medical affairs or whether it's commercial development, I was like, let's, I went back to my boss and I was like, I know I've only been here three days, but I think we need to turn this ship around. Right. And he was like, yeah, no, not, not so much. And so I just had a conversation with my managing director last night, as a matter of fact, and she said, aren't you glad that we did not narrow the scope of our business? And, and she said that because a lot of folks in our space that only do sales, that only do scientists, that only do, you know, fill in the blank, um, they're having trouble right now where we have such a, we're generalists within the life sciences and it's keeping us afloat, at least it did in 2023, because- Well, when you say we though, and I'm sorry, but when you say we, do you each run specialty desks within it or are you all kind of generalists? We we are all generalists, all 23 of us. Awesome, very cool, very cool. Okay, cool, mm -hmm. sorry, thank you. Yeah. But it's but still a niche, right? And by the way, I don't, I don't say niche, I'm a niche guy. I'm a niche guy uh, too. Uh, absolutely. I'm, way, I'm a niche. But I the thought reaches we were going to are niche. in the niches. I didn't want to feel left out, so I'm like, all right, they're fancy guys. So I'll say <laughs> the that. knights of or, niche or, or niche. If you want to be French, uh, niche, niche, something like that. Niche. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so that's it. But, but, but you still have a niche, right? So it's it's, it's life sciences. Um, yeah. but, but it's not, it's not like super narrow, but I guess, let me ask you this. Um, let's say you had to, had to start a new niche. Cause I know, uh, Bodhi, you've done that. Um, at what point do you decide that you may need to move? And what do you do? Because I know for a lot of folks that have been in one niche, niche, whatever, for the last, uh, for a number of years, it's really hard to, to make that pivot. Yeah. So I guess, Bodhi, what did you do? Like, how did you do it? Um, I mean, you told well, us a little bit about it, but maybe yeah. describe that a little bit so more. 2008 to 2009, I was in construction. It was dead. And most people that were in it got out of it. So I actually switched over to what's upstream oil and gas, where, you know, I ended up targeting petroleum engineers, uh, geoscientists, land professionals. Uh, and there's people that are in Pinnacle that do that and have done that um, for the majority of the time. I got success in that. And then when it was dying at the end of 2015, I had my partner with me then. We were working with the firm. We knew it was dying. And it, so but when I first switched, it was because I didn't have a choice. I was going to do something else or I was going to fail. So going into oil and gas made sense, and I was able to produce a pretty quality desk out of it. Going into construction, after I had had success in oil and gas, we killed it in oil and gas. I mean, we did well, and we knew it was dying. It was harder because we had that success. And to leave all of that behind, you know, five years of what we had done behind, was a difficult decision emotionally, right? I mean, you can see how to do it. We knew how to build the desk, but to let it go was hard. So, you know, we take the old adage, you know, from Cortez when he came to the Americas and he brought all his people on the land and, and he didn't want anybody to have the ability to retreat. So he burned all of his boats. Well, we did that. We burned the boats. We put that 
oil and gas division and a desk. We shut it, locked the key and threw it away. And we said, this is our only option. And this is what we're going to have to do. And we started with data. We started mining data and we started putting it into our database. We started communicating with it as best we could until it started to grow and develop. And because we were successful recruiters by then, Daniel and I, my business partner and I, we turned out a pretty damn good year in 2016. I don't know what we did. I think we did about 700K between the two of us, which wasn't great. But, you know, for a new desk and, and, and having to mine all that data and, and build the database, we thought we did pretty good. So, you know, it was, it was the mental aspect of it that was the hardest part. You just got to get over it. Yeah. yeah, I think recruiting, I mean, right, in so, general, so, if you have those good recruiting skills, it, it really doesn't matter. You can tell me, go find whatever, and I'm going to be able to go. It, it's What makes a good recruiter isn't the niche. It's what, you know, it's the skill that you have in, in well, being that people person. Although I would say that, yeah, I agree, but there's also a skill necessary to recognize, like, which way the winds are blowing. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. like, you can have people who are good recruiters who are kind of rudderless because they're like, hey, I know if I if you tell me to find this, I can find that, whatever. But a lot of them aren't necessarily aware of like the directions that markets are going. I think one of the advantages yeah. if you're in a certain space is like you can see trends, you can see what's happening and you can identify other opportunity, start to position yourself. Like I think that's that's the other missing piece for that. Mm -hmm. No, I'll agree with that too. What's going on in the world? What's going on within the country? What's what's moving, what's not? And being able to make that tack. Well, well, that's so, well, so great about getting go, go, together twice a year yeah. with Pinnacle members. Well, I, um, you know, we get together at two conferences, and whether it's Bodie in construction or Kathy in old people homes, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do I say? How do I say that? <laughs> I believe the term is old, geek, old adult, geezers adult is the, is the right, is the right term to use nowadays. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say you're seeing, oh, I, I feel like they keep a show in a separate room with these things. I don't know. <laughs> 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 oh, can I but tell we, you a funny story that you guys could all relate to? Because I just put my dad in there last week, right? So this place is so gorgeous, as you know, Kathy. Like, I had no mm -hmm. idea how, like, just beautiful they are. And I'm, like, looking for a place, right? So it's just joking, but I'm like, because it was such an amazing thing. I'm like, ah, how much, what's, what's the minimum age to get in here? Because I'm 60, like 55. So I was joking. And she says, why are you thinking of coming in? I'm like, only half joking, you know? And then I was, of course, joking. And she said, I would make, I'd get an amazing sugar mama, right? I'd be a sugar yes. mama. All these old people. They yes, were, oh, all these be? little old ladies that have, are all widowed. Let me just tell you, they're all, yeah. they'd be all over you, Neil. But then the I Casanova of that rap or like Match.com or Bumble or Tinder. When I bring them back there, it's not really good for my rap. You know, that's what I was thinking. Anyway, back to you guys. Well, have you heard about, 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 about my idea for, for a dating app for grandparents? It's like Tinder, but for grandmas and grandpas. called a cut called Grinder. This guy's getting an obscure joke. Uh, anyway. just gonna uh, no one go. really gets it. It doesn't you let that one go. when you tell it. You still do it. Just, uh, I love it. I love it. Now, 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 I do want to, but, but bring it back to the discussion about, about niches. One of the things that I think that to to piggyback off what Chris said, as far as knowing which way the wind is blowing, I think uh, a lot of people uh, forget to do this. But I think one of the best things you can do is talk to your prospects. I mean, talk to the people in your niche. I mean, every time you talk to a, a director or a VP or whatever sort of hiring manager that you would talk to. Always ask them what how they're seeing the market. If they see who's hiring, who's firing, who's laying off. I think so much here, so much so, so many of us are so involved in just the transaction side of the business. We're not building those relationships and finding out like where the wind is blowing from the people that are actually on the ground 
that are in the industry themselves. I think a lot of times we we miss that when it comes to the niche. Like listen to the people that are in your niche. And I think especially for the older folks or folks that are have been in the niche for a long time, we forget to do that because we're the experts in the niche. We don't talk to them about what's going on. I think it's a big piece of it as well. Make sure that you're talking to your people about we, that. Right? We schedule what we call courtesy calls if it's a really good candidate in our space, like at the VP level or higher, just to, for the exact purpose that you just mentioned, just because it, it helps you take the temperature of what the hell's going on at that level, whether or not, you know, 2024, there's going to be zero headcount growth or whether there are going to be layoffs or, you know, just pe people at that level talk. And they love to hear themselves talk. So, you know, schedule a courtesy call and these senior VPs will flap like a canary, sing like a canary, you know, about what's going on. You know, we uh, oftentimes, I think if you talk to active candidates, you know, regardless of what level they're on, if they're really specified within our niche, one, you know why they end up, if they are going to let, be let go from the company or why they're looking to get move on for their company. And then what they're looking at going forward, are there jobs out there? Are they getting interviewed? If so, where? Because then you can at least get some data. And if you talk to 30 of those within a week's time frame, it, it gives you a pretty general understanding of what, like you said, which way that wind's blowing because they're actively dealing with it. Well, in fact, uh, you know, when I first started the business, one of the things I was taught is, um, and I'm afraid it was, I don't know, it was, maybe it was a Finkel thing or maybe Tony Burns, whatever it was. But I remember uh, very distinctly that I was, I was given a piece of paper with six, I think it was like six goals on it. So every single time I talked to anybody in the industry, I had, first off, get a send out, right? And for those young people in the business, that means interview with the client. Get a send out, get a job order, uh, get, uh, get a candidate, get a referral. And at a bare minimum, if you can't get any of those, get get knowledge about the industry, find out the scuttlebutt, the gossip, rumors, who's doing what. And I think um, every single call you make, you can get that information really, really key. So yeah, I remember that. That was day one of my training back with MRI back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but we did get a, a comment from Jay Vinard. Uh, so my boy Jay, he asks, would love to hear about how these three plan their day and what their daily activity looks like. So yeah, let's talk about that. How do you guys, how do, how do you guys plan your day being the big players that you are? Okay, do do? this is going to be really, this is bad because I know that you all, you know, all the digital, all the everything. Let me show you how I plan my day. <laughs> no. Is that it's color coded? What is that? It's color coded. So I have, a, I make a list of, first of all, the, the, well, okay, my list is a little bit organized every day. So the first things on the list are what's closest to the money. The second thing on the list is what do I get to get done to get closer to the money. And then the third, the last of the list is things that I really just need to get done. For me, um, I what it really depends too is if I'm recruiting on orders, do I need to be, do I need to be talking to candidates? And and of course that's kind of a planned list also. But um, oftentimes I'm I, I'm doing a lot of BD. So my the first part of my day is business development, and I'm just talking to people and I'm training my team and working with them. The, the most important thing that I've trained new people to do is every single call, just like what you were saying, David, um, you, you got to be able to get something out of the call. And the most important thing that they need to get out of the call is, is does this company that they work with, whether this is a candidate they're going to work with or not, do they work with, uh, do they work with search firms when they need important positions built? That's all I need to know. 
and then those leads come to me and I start working my magic and developing those. So that's, you know, I take a kind of a rainmaker approach to it, but yes, I'm, I am organized on a, I do have my calls. I have a scheduler that does all of my interviews, um, does all the sending out of information and that's all, um, she's lives in the Philippines. She's fabulous. Yeah. Kathy, the problem is, and David and I, as trainers are going to tell you this, you have to automate. You're never going to make it in this world, kid. You got to trust us. Okay. I know, I know, I know. 16 years. years, years. And at some point I'm going to get it. I got to automate. I do use an outlook calendar. Kathy. I know. I use an Outlook calendar. I do. <laughs> Neil was so disgusted with you. And you know what? Any automations or software are only as good as the underlying processes. So yeah. but let me say this, because I want to comment on that, Michelle. For, it's what a nerd. For what's actually brilliant about it, which, what's brilliant about it is we talk on the show all the time about people focusing on all the minutiae, they're not focusing on the business, they're not focusing on sales. What you do, just what you laid out is brilliant, actually. So no, I'm not, I think it's great because it just keeps what you gotta do. And you just made it simple. I'm gonna be on the phone. This is what I gotta get done. All the other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't. The simpler it is, Because the it eventually it is gets onto that yeah. list in any good time management system. And you dumbed it down to that. So I think it's brilliant. Really, I can also notice that uh, that you marketed in the morning. Now, when I when I was first taught in the business, I was told market in the morning, recruit in the afternoon. Now, I was told there was the reason why, at least what I was told by my my original mentor in the business, was that well, uh, marketing is the hardest thing in the world to do for recruiters. So get that over with. So get it get it done. You get the hardest thing in the world done in the morning, and then you can do what we love to, which is recruit in the afternoon. And and I was always told that we cold call people at work. Usually they're bit right. They're well, mentors frustrated. Has to be true. Wanna... Well, and I heard the same yeah. thing no, in the market. No, in the morning who, who it's knows? basically like get That's job orders not, in the but... morning and get candidates in the afternoon for the job orders you got in the morning. That was that, that, that was, was recruiting one hundred and one back in the day. Yeah. Recruiting one hundred and one. Um, yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk about. So, what about you guys? So, so Bodie or Michelle, how do you guys plan your day? So, we know Kathy uses this uh, old antiquated thing called a pen. It's <laughs> a paper for young kids. Um, uh, they say the pen is as we speak. <laughs> but have you guys, Bodie or Michelle? What do you guys do? I, you know, ahead, we I, yeah, we work in uh, PC Recruiter, so it's got its own calendar, and and you can plan and schedule through there. So we're not different from the way Kathy plans. Though I mean, it's always priority is closest to the money. Second priority is what do we have to move things to get them closer to the money? But that varies each day, so it's not always the same. A general day for me would look like I'm going to have preps and debriefs. Um, from from whatever send outs or interviews that we we have that day on my schedule, I may have a couple of you know warm marketing calls on my schedule. I don't care when I schedule them; I'll call them anytime from seven to seven. But you know, Daniel and I work three sixty desk. It's our practice, so whatever we we eat, what we kill. So I got to recruit. So by by nine o'clock, I want to be ready. I've got usually two roll up lists prepped up in, in PC Recruiter, and I want to jam out thirty calls before noon on one or two searches. And I do the same thing after one o'clock, um, you know, till about three, because those tend to be prime recruiting hours. I tend to be, you know, most motivated in those time frames. Does this get thrown out the window uh, 80% of the time? Yeah, because what we've always believed in is that if we see a lead that we feel is strong, we'll ditch something and go chase it. I know that's not the most positive way that to spend your time, but it's worked for us. So, 
but in general, that's what we do. You, you, and we have to be, you know, out of 50, 60 call clip a day, uh, mentality, but I also do a lot of work at night. It's my business. Daniel does too. So we'll send, you know, we'll work from six thirty, seven o'clock, sometimes till nine o'clock prepping LinkedIn in mails, uh, writing scripts that we're going to blast out to our you know, email blast the next day. We're trying to generate leads with a lot, you know, it, to a lot of folks through by sending information to a lot of folks so that we get information back that helps us schedule our day on, on warm leads rather than cold calling all day long. Cause I don't know who likes cold calling, but I certainly don't. And after 16 years, I hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. But it's still important, though. I mean, uh, j- uh, what, yeah. what Kathy said, what you said, it's all about so being on the phone, right? And I think, and for a lot of young kids out there, a phone is this device that you put to your ears because you've got a, got a little swirly cord on it. And it's how you actually communicate with people, not over email. So for young kids out there, that's what a phone is. Um, but I remember right for starting the business, it was all, it was just all dialing all day long. So we didn't really even use email much in 2000 when I started on search, right? Um, there's way before LinkedIn. Uh, what about you, Michelle? What do you do? So what do you, how do you plan your day and what do you do throughout your day? Um, so, so I'm sort of a combination person. <clears throat> I use an electronic calendar outlook and that has all of my scheduled appointments, whether it's with clients or whether it's with candidates, but I have this to do checklist where I write out, these are the things that are closest to the money. So I, I, yeah, I still use an electronic calendar. It pops up like I knew to be on here because my electronic calendar went, put your lipstick on. So I, I, I know how to use that. But this is like, this literally says, close Shannon's effing deal. Like, like this. this you know, you are killing I, me only because my company, Back Office Staffing Solutions, my entire yeah. business is based upon automation. Right. So I'm just saying, so it's hysterical that you are now coming on there. Two of the three of you are just killing it at crazy levels with your own non-automation thing. And it's amazing. I use automation. So, I use yeah. text. I know. I'm just saying, it's amazing use, though. Yeah. I use all that stuff, <laughs> no. but I have to I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going, Michelle. Keep going. I think it's a Gen X thing. Like we, we were, yeah. we yeah. made this. Yeah. No, keep going. Keep going. I'm, I'm a Gen Xer too. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Oh, oh, 1976. 1976. Gen X. So, so uh, one question we have from the audience is, uh, is about your mix of business. Uh, as far as do you guys do retainers, contingency, exclusive, um, uh, or something else about your multi-firm? I'm not quite sure what that means, but. Contingent. Contingent. What do you guys do? Well, I think when they said multi-firm, they mean do you work on projects that other firms are also working on? I think that's probably what they meant by multi-firm. Oh, kind of like split. Okay, I see that. So, So, do you you like are you exclusive, or will you take recs from a company that's also called it out to other recruiters? I think that's what they mean by multi-firm. I mean, that's not ideal, but you know, I'm not going to. Sometimes they don't tell you. Take the search. Yeah, sometimes they don't tell you, but after a few days of recruiting, you know that someone else has it and then you could just do a google search on some keywords and you can figure out exactly who has it but whatever you know you still have to sometimes it's more motivating i mean that's when um i'm in front of the tv with my laptop thinking i'm gonna beat that bastard i'll get these people first <laughs> yeah it's, com- so, it's competitive for sure i right. agree to that yeah we're like hey, we're gonna kick these people's ass you know we know we're exactly with, and we like yeah. to win do we win them all no but the contingency model, I think, gets beat down, you know, and, and I think 
people think retains better because they've never done it. it it's just, it's hard. You still have to go do the same job. It's different. Yeah, it is different. But you know, why we, we like the contingency model because it offers us the freedom that we like as, as, as far as how we recruit. But if you're going to be in a contingency model and you want it to work, one, being niche is, is very key important because you got to be able to recycle candidates. Like say, if I got a multifamily guy, project manager, well, if he works for this one company that does multifamily, then every other company that does multifamily, because the product's almost the same, he can go work for all of them. So if I've got paper into 15 multifamily companies and he's willing to move, uh, relocate or stay local, I can put him in front of 15 companies. Now, I just increased my probability of placing that person because I've got the paper and I've got the job openings and, I, and I've got him right. and I can play him in there. That mm -hmm. is really what you have to do. So what happens is you have to concentrate on your client procurement. What kind of portfolio, client portfolio am I putting together for the people that I'm willing to recruit contingently, right? Because I'm going to be competing with almost all of these people. But if you do it more with, with, with that kind of nucleus, you can move faster and then people start to come to you rather than go to other people. And then you beat them based on timing and availability and, 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 you know, kind of word of mouth. And that's really what we've found successful in the contingent model. Well, we like do, what you said, Bodie, like people could do it well or do it poorly. Sorry. Yeah, we, we do a mix. I mean, I probably do 20% uh, retained uh, and then the rest of it is contingent, but of that contingent, probably 80% of it is, what we call a priority search or an engaged search. So, you know, they'll pay 5,000 bucks up front and then, you know, it guarantees them a minimum of three qualified candidates in 15 business days, extends the candidate guarantee to 90 days. Um, we have a one year guarantee on our retained. So I'll, and we do, you know, we'll also do contingent straight up contingent search. If, you know, they don't want, oh, we don't want to pay that. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to guarantee you any candidates. I'll see you. I've got five minutes yeah. on it to go. But that's I mean, it. goes down. You, yeah. So, I mean, the engage piece is really important. I think that was a huge switch that we made, gosh, probably 2015, 2016. Everything we do is engaged. And I don't do anything less than $5,000 if I'm doing a priority you search. Don't do you don't do any? You do no contingency in that world, a hundred percent. Rare, rare. It's uh, it's rare that I do a straight contingent search. It wow. most really probably ninety percent of what eighty to ninety percent of the prior of the contingent search that I do is what I call priority. And so it, I the way that I describe it from a marketing standpoint, it it allows me to put you as a priority on our schedule, right? Because okay. you have a little skin of the game, and I'm putting skin in the game. Right. So what, what's a healthy mix when you get a chance? What do you guys what do you all think when we're on this topic? Just keep going. But like, what's a what's a good number for everyone out there? Like, what should it be? Keep going. Like, I'm interested in this. As far as what it, what's a healthy what, what do you retain retain to contingency? Oh. Like, should it be one or the other? Should you aim like on temp on my world? We do Contract staff is 20 percent, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, okay. I, do, I, I, we do all three and we do, you know, retained is 35% and both the contingent. Okay, that's prior, what I'm asking. Um, it's 35% okay. is 25% if they do the, the, um, but I'm doing a whole lot less work at, at, in priority right. and contingent search. I'm not having to do all of the big mm -hmm. giant presentation, Got which it. I, I mean, I like, I like retained search because, you know, Hey, you're getting paid. Um, put a little thing in there at the bottom of your contract though, that says if you cancel the search, uh, that it's 90% of it is paid to you. 
Um, so you want to make sure you have that in there. But I, I mean, I think priority is the way to go because it gives you the flexibility that you, you know, if you, if you don't like the candidate, the client, or they're not looking at your people right, and they're kind of dicking around with you, then you just, you can leave them, right? It's easier to leave a contingent search than it is a, um, than it is the retained one. So one, to me, you're, if you're doing retained, you're locked in, dude, you gotta like, yeah, you're you got to hang on forever. That's one of the, that's like when I started switching mostly to engage searches a few years back and away from 15 plus years of contingency, um, that was a, a lesson I had to learn pretty early on. That's careful what you wish for. Like, cause when you get into bed with a client on a retained basis, like now you're, you're in. So like yeah. you mm -hmm. have to have some outs built. Don't spend there. that engagement fee. Don't spend that buzzing? Is your alarm buzzing, David? Uh, no, it's not, but I wanted to let these fine people people talk. Uh, but know, that said, yeah. but, yes, but, it but is. You're funny, is. David. You have something you want to share about uh, you have some exciting programs that you've been rolling out. And right. you have a big, Thank you for uh, uh, double your clients. Say, don't be shy. Talk about it Thank for a second. The, the, uh, the, the call out your business, Neil. David. Yeah, so let's actually do some do some promos. So real guy, quick guys, we're going to promo some of our stuff here. Uh, first off, let's start actually with Neil. So as you guys know, Neil runs back office staffing solutions, also known as boss, which is a great name, but they are the boss of all the back office staffing solutions providers out there. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, but uh, and I'm not saying this because Neil's my buddy, but it actually is a really high quality service. So you're going to want to go to back office now, uh, dot com. Yeah, actually, that's the wrong. That Here we go. Just back office now.com. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Back office now.com sign up, or if you want his, uh, staffing, uh, his little no, e -book as well, one because it doesn't forward my bad. It doesn't forward. Just oh, it's not, okay. All right. So we're <laughs> going to you. Enough about me. Back so, off. Just now. keep getting links up. You, you got to work. You got to automate. I know. It. Go back to. That's because we're boss. Yeah, go to backupnow.com. It's a it's a great great platform. And for me, I've got a few things I, I want to promote. The main one is, um, uh, we we help deploy sales marketing systems. So if anybody here needs a high octane sales marketing system, uh, we deploy it in 30 days or less, and we have a 90 day guarantee along with there. Let me, uh, oops, there we go. Go to realdsp.me forward slash build, right? If you want to get on the phone with me, I'll walk you through the program. Uh, we also have, again, it's a guarantee. And in addition to that, we have a new off Facebook or Flake book recruiter community called the Head Editor Syndicate. Go to realdsp.me forward slash syndicate. Join there. We don't sell your data. You can talk about uh, 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 spicy subjects without worrying about getting without worrying about getting banned by big tech. So go to realdsp.me forward slash syndicate. Uh, with that said, Neil, are you satisfied? Do we do enough uh, promos for you? Absolutely. Keep going for me. Thanks, for me, that's for you. <laughs> I don't want one for yeah, me. Yeah, it'll also for me too. That's very, very true. Uh, but hey, let's, let's actually, what they want to want to uh, talk about is engage fees. Kathy, you mentioned that uh, if somebody worked with you on a gauge basis on your priority search, that you extend the guarantee, and uh, you also extend the guarantee for retained. That's something that I I, I want to talk about at least touching real quickly for a lot of people that. For me, I always had a hard time getting just engagements because I was in the IT space, and in IT, it's like twenty percent contingent, and it's really hard to get you get engagements for folks that are used to paying 
and contingent for like analysts and developers and architects, et cetera. Obviously, going after higher level positions got me into engagements. That that really helped me. But uh, a big part of, of it actually is when I started productizing my offer and offering a, let's say, a 90-day uh, uh, replacement guarantee for exclusive contingency, but for the exact same price, they can get a full one-year guarantee from me for the exact same price. And for a lot of folks, a lot of uh, clients who – you know, they may not know if someone's going to work out until someone's been there for a few months. What good is that guaranteed do them if that person rolls off in four or five or six months? So that's what helped me a lot is offering that sort of tiered structure. Yeah. Is that why you did that to, to um, be able to entice people to get that to do engaged? I got t- uh, actually part of it is that I got tired of, of doing work without getting paid. And um, what we found is that when people engage and pay something up front, they're more engaged in the process. They really are serious about wanting our help and filling a position. I mean, there's a lot of clients out there who, yeah, I'll sign your agreement. Yeah, go find me, you know, contingent, uh, go do a contingent search. And But, you know, they're, they're always looking to to fill it on their own. They would prefer to not really look at recruited candidates. And so I'd rather use them as sources, Right. So you can pay me up front or you can, you're going to have to pay me one way or the other because I'm either going to, either you can pay me to recruit people or I'm going to take your people. (laughs) 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 Kathy, you're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) I would never do that. No, but you know, like, but it's, I, I offer the, the priority as, the way that I present it is, you know, you, you, you know whether it's going to be a retained search or not. Those higher level searches that you're really going to have to be on, you're going to have to pitch that as retained. But then you give them the other two options and they like the option of the extended guarantee and also the guarantee of three qualified, minimally three qualified candidates within 15 business days. Because this is about speed. And that's what I built my brand on is uh, I'm delivering and I'm delivering fast, right? Yeah. If we, if any search goes longer than four weeks, we lose 75% of the time. Yeah. If you don't get the search covered in a, within three weeks, really four weeks is pushing it. But if it's yeah. not covered in three weeks, you're going to lose on the search. You will. Okay. So, so actually, this next question then is perfect because Michael G. Cox, a great friend of the show, he asks, so if you're going to cover these searches, candidate sourcing, nobody answers phones, in-mail is dead, email response rates suck. So are you using video when messaging candidates? If so, how? Loom videos. So that's his question. So how are you getting a hold of these candidates when it's so hard to do that nowadays? Uh, y- y'all want- all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. All of the above. I mean, really, texting, emailing, calling, doing videos. Yeah. Yeah. We've actually got them. Do you reach out to them at work? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Oh, hell yes. That's how I get to them. It's a shameless. If I got a number, I'm calling it. I don't care if Mm -hmm. it's your grandma's house. If they're there, I want to talk. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's a well, process. So, so what about this? Just, so what about any, any, any new strategies? Like, for example, do you guys use any video messaging to reach out to these folks? I know video messaging can work pretty well, interview. especially this down Interview, yeah. Interview. I didn't realize Michelle used Interview. Also, I use Interview. Yeah. it's a, a yeah. British platform that um, it's really cool. Anyway, lots of cool things on that. But yeah, video interviews, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, video yeah. things, little snippets to get people, but mostly calling people at work because that they're going to answer the phone there. Somebody's going to answer the phone. And and frankly, in my niche, 
uh, nurses are not on the there. Nobody's on LinkedIn. Nobody, you know, I don't, I may or may, they may or may not look at email, but I'm going to have to call them at work. And so I call them the one to buy chicken calls and you just have to call them all the time over and over <laughs> years ago. Uh, years and years ago, I remember back when I was recruiting underwriter before I started doing it, doing SAP back maybe 2001, 2002. I remember um, I was calling this place so much where the manager picked up the line and he yelled to me, quit calling my people. And he hung up <laughs> and then I kept calling his people. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Calling people at work, that's, that's, that's what we were all taught originally. And I think a lot of like younger recruiters now, they feel this sort of anxiety uh, calling people at work or emailing them at work or whatnot. And, like never be ashamed to present opportunities, even if it's at their work. Yeah, okay, I, it's, it's at the end of the day. It's yeah. the, my well, my cubicle was decorated with uh, emails from angry like business owners and CEOs. Like, <laughs> don't ever contact my. I'd print them off and I'd put them up there. I was like, yeah, okay. But right <laughs> like, next to it is the letter from your candidate that said, "I'm so glad she called me for the eighth time before I spoke yeah. with her." Right. Yeah. And my, next to my whiteboard is stuff that I closed. Yeah. I mean, come on. Does anyone does anyone sort of tell her how they're communicating with a candidate based on their age? Like if I see someone as younger, I'll text. If I see yep. someone as my age, I'll call or email. Um and I'm noticing that younger recruiters, like early in their career, they're so like, oh yeah, like all their communication is via text. Where, like, I think, oh, man, I don't know if I want to text a VP while he's at work. But it depends on how I think they're going to be, you know, which method will they be receptive to. got to know your audience. Well, right? well, for Neil, it's all about take a stone tablet and you, <laughs> you, know, you chip away the message because, you know, old school. But, uh, uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, the way I always he describe it is, like, at the end of the day, you smoke signal like, for the work. interested? And he faxes it over. <laughs> <laughs> Wax paper, thermal facts, wax facts. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, let's do this, guys. We're, we're about to to uh, run up here on the top of the hour, so we're going to start wrapping up here in a few minutes. But uh, I want to give you guys maybe an opportunity to, if you have any last and final words, especially for those folks watching this that are down in the dumps, it's kind of a hard year. So words for them. Because I think for those folks, they want to hear how you guys are thriving in a year where so many other recruiters are struggling. I want to just kind of piggyback on what we just said about making the calls because no, you, won't. you are, you are a fairy godmother. I, that's what I call myself, a fairy godmother. I show up unexpected in a cute dress and with amazing opportunities <laughs> right now. Y'all could say I'm the fairy godfather. It doesn't kind of work as well right? that. But you have to think about that. You are a purveyor of opportunity for people. And of course they want to talk with you. And you would be doing them a disservice if you didn't offer the opportunity for them to look at these great opportunities. So you just, your, your mindset is absolutely the most important thing. But I will say the thing that you will, if you will start your day every day in gratitude, just the things that you are grateful for, the feelings, I mean, what you can do and the life that you can do <laughs> with this industry, just sit in that gratitude because you can't feel all the anxiety and all the awful things that you feel when you're when things aren't going well. Just think about all the things that you can be grateful for and it makes your day go a lot better. That's me. That's great. Yeah, I, That's great I, advice, I Kathy. With, great advice. 
first My Little Pony. Although, although I will, I will say nowadays, if I if, uh, showing up as a fairy godfather in a cute dress nowadays, that's supposed to be okay too. So, okay. I guess, I guess it's, a, it's a brave new world. Uh, right, what about that? you, Bodie? What what advice do you have to give for for folks that might be struggling this year? I mean, you know, it boils down to hustle. You know, for us, it's actually one of the core values that we created for our new company, Blackwood. You know, you got to be willing to do more than what the other people are, are doing. But I think the nucleus of who we are in our industry is that we believe in the construction industry. We believe in what it provides, you know, the U.S. from a landscape of, of prosperity. And we've made it our point to be a voice in that industry. And we feel like we need to be heard because our voice a lot for good things that happen to our clients and good things that happen for our candidates. And if we believe that and we come from that place and we work harder than others, we, we've, we've been, we've been successful in producing when times aren't as good as others. And that's really the simplest way I could put it. hundred percent. Yeah. You're, 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 you're like a, a beacon in the industry, right? You have to think about in that way. Uh, well, Michelle, what about you? What sort of what last words do you have for folks that are struggling this year? Well, I, I would just sort of, you know, tandem to what Kathy said, the sticky note that I turned into my screensaver is your life is so easy and you are so blessed. So whenever I start to spiral because a deal blew up or a client and I just saw a client email me pissed about something, but whatever, man, you know, like I just look at the sticky note and I'm like, shit happens. It, it is what it is. Like we're in a chaotic, crazy kind of work and it's so analogous from where if you've ever worked in the restaurant business when you get like triple sat and the, and you look at the hostess and you're like in the weeds like you're in the weeds and you're trying to manage all you know and your food's coming out and the cook screwed up and the bartender bitch <laughs> won't get your drinks and you're just like fuck you know but at the end of the day it, it we we make it too complicated you have to trust in the process you know, get a good job order. It's got to be a good job order because the rest doesn't matter. And find the best candidate. Present the best candidate. Get the damn offer. Close the close the deal. Like sometimes we make it too complicated. It's very cyclical. Like in 2023, I had my worst year in 13 years. But you know, and you can ask my my best friend who happens to also be my boss. I was out of my mind with anger. And I was like, you know what? This shit's like, it, it, trust in the process. Do your job. It'll turn around. It's not more complicated than that. Do your damn job. Yeah, the, the, the this there, there's a lot to be said and we had steve finkel on uh like a, a month and a half ago and uh same thing steve finkel has great advice it's very it's, he's not necessarily uh uh up with the time necessarily but he has a lot of great advice that are true principles that have are, are as true nowadays as true as they, as they were 40 years ago in fact maybe even more true like cold calling uh in a world where no one cold calls cold calls get attention you know what I mean? In a world where everybody is emailing, emailing doesn't get as much attention. So, so think about with the university industry, if they're not following those core principles, it makes following those core principles even more important and more effective, in my opinion. If it wasn't so. hard, everybody would do it. Nobody would make any money. That's just that's what my old boss used to tell me, and that's what I believe. It's true. 
That's that's that is one hundred percent, and it makes you better as a person. I think I think for me, my, my most of my personal growth has come from recruiting, but being in the business and just the and the chaos of it, and and at times Michelle, like I said before, sometimes it's, it's like too much. You're in the weeds, but other times because you're in the business and you're and you're and you're you're constantly talking to people, constantly talking to candidates and clients. Sometimes things just work together. I remember, I, I mean, we all have those stories where where we have there's the, the, there's one call placements where a client calls with a job board, and you're like. I know the perfect guy. You call that guy, and that guy gets hired. And it's a it's a one call placement, and that's and that's where these yeah. kind of comes together, works in this amazing symphony. It's times like that that everything is worth it, you know. But you can't get yeah, there unless you go through all the shit to get there, yeah. right? Like in Happy Gilmore, he says, he says, "Harness the good, block the bad." If anybody knows that reference, good for them. <laughs> Harness the good, block the bad. Where is that from? A movie? It's Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's right. Help you get my a great movie. I'm a movie buff. I had to throw in something. That's a great movie. He also Peter said McGavin. it's all in the hips. Okay. It is. Exactly. <laughs> all in the hips. That's, That's what we're doing. I throw that to Elise every day. I just gave you a layup, then she's nailed it. <laughs> yeah, we start with her throws, and we're going to end with Rich Rosen. David, take yeah. it from there. Wrap it up, brother. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much, everybody. We've got we've got to roll. This is a great show. Um, I really, Bodie, I really appreciate it. Kathy, I appreciate it. Michelle, as well. Really appreciate you being on the show and telling us about your sort of history with Rich Rosen. It's fantastic. In fact, guys, we're probably going to have Rich Rosen on in a few weeks as well. So make sure you tune in for that. Everybody, again, comment replay if you're watching the replay on this one. Uh, like the show, love it. Uh, share it with your friends. And we are now officially on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. All right. Everybody, thank you very much. Great, great to see you guys. And, uh, as always, peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs> peace out, Cub Scouts.